Welcome to Recovery Corner, where the many pathways of recovery intersect. We believe that recovery should be defined by each individual on their own unique journey. We also welcome allies of recovery to the conversation as we know that substance use disorder impacts our entire communities, not only the people experiencing addiction. This is a space where you will hear personal stories of triumph in recovery, gain insights into various recovery-oriented systems, and learn how leaders across the country are building recovery-ready communities. Recovery Corner is brought to you by Young People in Recovery, otherwise known as YPR. YPR is a recovery support service organization that engages people in and seeking recovery, as well as allies of the recovery movement to take a stand for recovery. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Recovery Corner. I am your host, Candice Rose, and today I have a co-host joining me. Welcome to the show today, Jesse. How are you doing? Uh, what's going on? Good morning. Good morning from uh, California. Really happy to have you join me today. Heck yeah. Yeah. And on today's episode of Recor- uh, Recovery Corner, we are going to be discussing how to party sober and other things. Um, Love it. But yeah, you know, uh, how many of us have feared that a life of recovery meant that we were destined for the doldrums? I can say that during my active addiction, I had immersed myself into a party scene, um, mainly because I wanted to feel connected, but also I love to dance. I enjoy making people around me smile and laugh. And for a lot of years, I thought I needed some liquid courage and a variety of other party favors to do so. Uh, so for a lot of years, I. I really denied this very apparent reality of my addiction because I was terrified I would be miserable and boring. You know, thinking back on it now, it's like, (laughs) that was kind of irrational thinking. Right. And it turns out that life is pretty awesome without altering the experience. I mean, come on, how lucky are we to be alive? Such a gift. Right. Right. So over time too, I've, I've learned I'm a much better dancer and People actually laugh with me rather than laughing at me when I'm not under the influence. Uh, I mean, sometimes people laugh at me still and you know, I'm okay with that, but uh, I'm just really relieved that I can experience joy now without adding any uh, social lubricants into the mix. Like that social lubricants. That's a good phrase. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, uh, you become kind of reliant on that to really engage and uh, yeah. you, you forget that you're actually capable of all that on your own. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And with that in mind, I had the perfect person to invite onto the show. Uh, I'm going to endearingly introduce him as a recovery party boy. Uh, he's <laughs> kind of the man of the hour right now. Uh, yeah. He's been, making the rounds. He actually just got done with another radio interview here locally. Uh, So without further ado, Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me. Stoked to, stoked to be here. Heck yeah. I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, Rob is also from Durango, Colorado, where I'm from. Um, He's kind of a staple person in our broader recovery community here. So uh, really, you. really thrilled to have you here. Um, so let's kind of kick it off. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what, Candace, we were talking when you went off screen. Uh, Robert is originally from California. Uh, so uh, not too much claim. And he was telling me uh, he's also a Broncos and Chargers fan, which doesn't make sense. I don't get that. I don't even <laughs> want to have him. I don't, I, want an ex- I don't even want an explanation for that. Uh, if you guys are football fans <laughs> out there, that's like that's like being a Baltimore and Steelers fan. But hey, I don't judge you, Robert. Uh, I'm glad you're here, friend. It's against the rules. <laughs> it's against the rules. But hey, we we break the rules all the time, don't we? So rules are meant to be a little broken. But um, man, I'm I'm excited to have you on today. It's super uh, super awesome to use this platform um, and to hear your story, uh, Robert, and um, what recovery has done for you and what it's. What, you, what you've done for other people uh, for your lifestyle of recovery and what it is to you. And um, I guess we'll just start there. I mean, I think that's a great starting point. 
Uh, I'd love to hear about you a little bit and then kind of go into your story uh, of what it was like and, and how you got to where you were and uh, that clarifying moment where you said enough's enough and what you kind of do now. And so go ahead and uh, take it away and introduce yourself to the people out there in radio land, podcast land, and uh, tell us about yourself. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I mean, um, I absolutely love recovery. I'll just start with that. You know, I mean, uh, I actually, it's just like getting sober absolutely saved my life. There's no doubt in my mind that I would not have made it anywhere close to this far in life without, without getting sober and um, all the different help from all the different people and organizations in recovery. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm uh, stoked to say uh, last month I celebrated 19 years sober. Um, Amazing. I got sober. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, I mean, our, our listeners can't see you, but uh, you're still kind of a, a young man. So Looking 19. good, Rob. You're whatever young, you're doing, you're as young as you feel. You know what I mean. So whatever, whatever vitamins you're taking, brother, <laughs> keep taking them. <laughs> nineteen so years. I got, I got some young. Our, you know, some of our audience isn't even nineteen. So just put that in perspective. <laughs> so keep it oh, up, my wow. friend. Well, I've been sober now as long as I was uh, using and drinking. So I got sober when I was nineteen years old. So uh, that's it's a you know amazing wow. thing now been sober as long as I, um, was alive, you know, out there using and drinking. So, um, man, what a, what a difference, you know, yeah. like what life is like the last 19 years have been incredibly right. amazing. And, uh, you know, so. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, I mean, I was 26 when I entered into recovery and at 19, I was pretty much going full speed ahead. Um, you know, and I was thinking, would that be like a, like a recovery golden birthday <laughs> when you're like <laughs> as old as you are, how many years you have? <laughs> Pretty good. So it's a special one, you know? Yeah. So. Well, so I want to know, uh, yeah, like, especially we grew up in, in Durango, Colorado, and uh, a lot of people know Colorado, like we pride ourselves on our craft beer and, you know, uh, outdoor recreation, and it's all enhanced with alcohol use. So, um, I want to kind of hear a little bit about like you were 19 when you entered into recovery, when, when did your journey with addiction start? And like, what did that look like kind of leading up to you making that decision at such a young age? Right. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in San Diego in Southern California. Um, okay. Uh, you know, like totally a normal, normal life, great upbringing, amazing parents, friends, uh, a good life, but just for whatever reason, you know, like, yeah. uh, started smoking weed and drinking at, uh, age 12. And, uh, you know, like at first it was really fun and it's just like something I got into. It's just something when you're young, you just, you know, start messing around with that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, for a while, everything was totally fine. You know, it was a fun thing to do. And it was, uh, you know, I made it fun you know, socially, just hanging out with people and, and uh, you kind of let go of some fear. And, and yeah. uh, for quite a, for a little while, it was, uh, you know, no problem or had just minimal problems. And uh, but, you know, it's kind of a progressive thing. Um, so, you know, over time, I started uh, just getting into more and more stuff and, and drinking more and more. My drug of choice is our main drug of choice is alcohol. And, uh, but really it's anything you put in front of me, anything right. that you put in front of me that will change my you know mental state, yeah. uh, or escape reality, anything other than how I'm feeling or what I'm doing right now is better than, you know, mm. the way it is. So, um, yeah, just over time, man, I, I, uh, um, I just ended up going to jail uh, you know, lots and lots of, lots of stuff like that. Um, but it got towards the end really, really bad. I mean, I was waking up covered in blood, you know, mm. like destroying vehicles, driving drunk, um, you know, just fighting with my friends. And there was just no telling. I was a, a blackout drinker right. towards the end. I mean, I would, I would basically drink to oblivion. You know, once I started, there was just no telling what was going to happen. So, um, yeah, yeah, it sounds like, uh, I refer to it as like a Pringles drinker, (laughs) 
once you pop, the <laughs> fun don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, all those uh, teleport drinkers, like you uh, start at the bar, you start drinking, and you wake up and teleported to a jail cell. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> you don't know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, for quite a while, you know, it was, it was kind of a funny thing. You know, like when you're in middle school, high school, college, right. you know, like you, you are partying and, and that's like what the kids are doing and it's acceptable to get wasted or whatever and have some crazy thing happening for a while. It's like, Oh, it's so exciting, you know, and Oh my God, what that's so crazy. We did that last night or whatever, but eventually your friends are like, man, that was really messed up. Like that was yeah. not cool. Right. And you're going, Oh yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? It was a good time. Whatever. And, uh, but eventually man, the, the repercussions were just so overbearing and it, right absolutely was not fun anymore and I was chasing that uh chasing that experience you know um that just was not possible for me anymore yet at the same time in my mind uh drinking and partying were like the only thing uh that I felt like I had worth living for so you know um at towards the end of my uh you know drinking using career I was suicidal, you know, basically I just did not want to live anymore, but I was you know, too much of a pussy to, to kill myself. So right. <laughs> it was an absolutely terrible place to be, you know, not wanting to live anymore. Um, and uh, when I would go to sleep, you know, I wish I wouldn't wake up in the morning. And when mm. I wake up in the morning, I never wanted to get out of bed and like face life. I just did not want to, you know, live life anymore. So that's where alcohol and drugs took me. And, uh, you know, I've done so many things I never, ever would have wanted to do. Um, you know, so many embarrassing things and going to jail all the time and, you know, just. And, and Rob, this is, uh, this is like 18. Say what? This is around what age? Um, I was, uh, towards the end, you know, like 17 to 19. Wow. Okay. When I got into, uh, into college. It was pretty much like that. My first two years of college. Um, so that's when it, for me, it got really, really bad. Um, yeah. So I mean, college is like, uh, you know, college is like, uh, you're, 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 uh, you know, submitted to drink. It's almost like this, this is what you have to do, especially in college campuses. It's, uh, almost your rite of passage. If you don't drink, then what are you doing here? You know, that's a big, uh, there's a big stigma with colleges too, as well. I mean, I think you can agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I went to CU Boulder, which is notoriously known as a party school. So <laughs> right. And I went there with, um, you know, the, the chance to play college football. And uh, mm -hmm. I decided that that was going to take too much time away from my partying and I would wow. not be able to do both. Wow. So I made a decision to not play um, college football and, and, uh, you know, so I, uh, just went that route and, and man, we were, it was like the weekend starts there right. <laughs> the Weekend starts on Wednesday and then yes. ends on Tuesday. <laughs> Wednesday is the pre pre Friday, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's the pre pre absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then Monday, you know, you got to continue Monday cause you know, hair on the dog, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So um, but yeah, that was just like free reign to party totally out on my own away from the, the, the fam and, um, just accepted, you know, uh, up there just, um, but I was the, I was the one, you know, sometimes one of the only, or the few, you know, still up at like four, six, eight in the morning, you know, scrounging around just, uh, trying to get my hands on whatever kind of drugs or alcohol I could find. And, yeah. uh, you know, like just waking up covered in blood, waking up in the woods, waking up in places. Wow. I had no idea how I got there, where I was. Mm. Um, wow. you know, just, uh, and it, it absolutely put me through the ringer. And, uh, but I absolutely felt like there was a, you know, no way out. No, no other way of living than the way I was. So at this point, Rob, uh, did it, was it in evident kind of cognitively in your mind that you might 
have an issue or was this kind of just like, this is who I am. I'm, I'm a party guy. Or was it like starting to like finally at this time say I might have a problem? I knew I was, uh, I, you know, drinking and doing too many drugs. Um, but I always thought of myself as a very like powerful person. Right. You know, I upheld myself as somebody that's very smart, hardworking, you know, can overcome challenges, stuff like that. And in many aspects of my life, like I'm able to do, you know, really good things. And I'm like, you know, like a good person. But when it comes to this part of my life, uh, what I thought was if it ever, you know, like came to a point where it was just not okay anymore that I could stop, you know, and figure it out. And I knew that I was having problems and I tried to make some attempts to um, not party so hard anymore. Right. Um, but uh, that was just an absolute failure. So, yeah, usually when we try to party less, the party goes harder. You know, <laughs> I know like for me, I'm not sure if anybody else can relate to this, but it's like every time I wanted to stop smoking cigarettes, I, I had to have one. You know what I mean? Just the thought, just the thought of me quitting something. Uh, okay, one more time, you know, and I just could not do it. I like what you said. You touched on something I, like, I think a lot of uh, that male masculinity too. Like we don't want to submit because to admit we have a problem uh to ask for help or to say that we have you know we can't do this it's just not an option for a lot of us the way that we're we were raised right it's that that um that alpha type of um feeling that if i you know if i quit we're taught you played football your whole life i coach football i play out here in sacramento and it's like you know we're so we're so taught to like don't quit fight for what you got and to to submit to something and say, I, I can't do this anymore. was really um, uh, at a disadvantage for guys who, who kind of had that mind frame. Would you agree? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, the like surrender piece of this, you know, yes. and admitting failure. Yeah. Not um, an option. That is not in my vocabulary. Right. <laughs> it does not make sense to me. Right. And uh, uh, so, yeah, when I was uh, ended up at that point, I was a very, thing to overcome hmm. uh admitting this is something that i just could not fix on my own you know that, that i needed that i needed help so. right yeah yeah same here my friend i uh i couldn't come i couldn't i couldn't succumb to the fact that i i could, had to ask another man or a person for help um it just wasn't in my in my flavor uh it just wasn't how i was conditioned right and i had to unthink these things right and there's a stigma that we need to really break with this you know, asking for help is weak. It's not weak. It's probably the strongest thing you can do is reach out and ask somebody for help. You know what I mean? So sorry to cut you off. I just want to really highlight that. And, um, so yeah, look, we were kind of getting into uh, what, at what point uh, you did do that. What point you did ask for help? What was it that kind of yeah. um, got you to this is it? And uh, here we go, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, towards the end, um, I had been through so many tragic events as a result of drinking and drugging. Um, but the final straw for me was June 26th or June 25th, 2002. We were uh, here in Durango and it was uh, uh, two forest fires going on each side of the valley. And we were, you know, um, getting evacuated by the um, you know, fire department or whatever. And, and I wouldn't leave. And I was, I, I guess I drank like, you know, two handles. And, uh, so, um, anyways, it, uh, I ended up pulling a shotgun on my brother, just wow. something that I'm not a violent person, wow. but, uh, when I found out that that next morning, I woke up in jail and found out what I had done. Wow. Uh, I was just absolutely devastated. I like cried the entire day. Um, and that was the breaking point for me was that I could do something that severe mm. to like my brother who I absolutely love. Right. You know what I mean? Like we have no problems wow. whatsoever. Great relationship and just in an absolute, you know, rage blackout did this, you know, crazy yeah, thing. And, uh, that's intense. 
I mean, I've like super intense. I've thrown stuff at people. Um, what was that like for you and your brother? Like the next day, were you able to kind of patch through that real quick, or did that take some healing? Or I mean, I didn't see him after that for a good three months. Oh wow! Um, Court so, ordered or by choice or both? Um, well, it was. I mean, I he didn't want to see me obviously mm-hmm. right off the bat. And I was in jail and then, um, and then like basically immediately went to, ended up going to rehab. Mm. Um, so, um, I was out in Southern California. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a absolutely tragic experience. And, um, when I woke up the next day, you know, uh, I, I felt like a soulless piece of flesh. Like I was just. Mm. Um, I did not know what was really wrong with me. You know, I just, I basically just thought life was over. I had Mm. no idea what to do. Um, and luckily enough, I had an attorney that told me I had a drinking problem. (laughs) (laughs) I looked at him and said, how dare you tell me I have a drinking problem? (laughs) Right. Sounds like he was worth his uh, weight in gold. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, you gotta, you might want to think about if your attorney our public defender says, man, you, uh, you might have a problem. Uh, yeah, you might so want to listen to your attorney. <laughs> <laughs> I had that little nudge from the judge kind of thing going on. I, right. it was, I was advised to go to rehab to avoid what would be maybe like a two year prison sentence. Right. And, um, yes, I please. spent a little bit yeah. of time in jail or whatever, but, um, you know, I, you know, I agreed to go to rehab, went out to a place in Southern California and uh, right next across the border from Tecate, Mexico. And uh, it was kind of a wild one month experience just took me out of my element. And it was there where I was like, wow, put around a bunch of people um, that were just starting recovery. And can can I ask you real quick, can I ask you real quick? Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. When you went to this program, was the motivation not go to prison or was the motivation I need help? The motivation for sure was not go to prison. Originally. Uh, the decision to go there. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No, and thanks then, for bringing that up. Cause it is like, uh, I think there's yeah. a, um, a lot of people that kind of argue that like court ordered treatment can't produce results. Um, right. But I think, you know, different people based on where they're at in their kind of right. stage of change, uh, sometimes like the courts save lives or they're like a vehicle to help people sort of move through that stage right. and get onto the next page. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I'm glad that you brought sorry, that up. Sorry Jesse. to interrupt you about that. Rock. No, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to kind of, cause some people can relate. Cause there might be somebody listening. That's like, man, I got this stupid slip. I got to get signed. And you know, I see people come with a slip and they stay, you know, they stay years yeah. later. So I just wanted to kind of, get that in so please so you show up you show up to rehab and by mexico yeah, so mexico. I, mean, I had no desire in staying sober um and it was the only thing i had worth living for you know what i mean so um but truly the first day i got there um you know there was a, a meeting and a bunch of people talking about their recovery and their stories and i instantly realized what was wrong with me, you know, and, um, addict, alcoholic, uh, you know, absolutely, um, powerless over those things. And, um, and uh, luckily for me, a lot of people struggle, you know, like with that, uh, admission that, you know, this is something that is too overbearing, too powerful for them to fix on their own. And uh, however you want to look at it, you know, um, if, if I could have solved this problem that I had, I would have just done it. Right. You know, I would have just said, Hey, this is not working for me anymore. This is causing way too many problems with my family and friends. Uh, and I just don't like this anymore. I'm just going to stop this behavior, yeah. but I just oh, I, could not. I do wish, that. I wish that you know? was the case. So what it comes down to is I needed help, you know? And, um, so it, I didn't know what I needed, you know, to stay sober at that point. Um, I just admitted for sure, you know, I have this thing and, and, uh, you know, I, that I, I, at that point decided for sure, 
I want to stay sober. Um, but then very quickly after that, I realized um, and just came to this um, conclusion that there was no way I was ever going to have fun again. You know, I, uh, like I was convinced that I, I could not drink and use anymore, but that I was going to be just, um, stuck with, you know, a boring, uh, lame life. And I was going to be absolutely miserable, you know, for the rest of my life without drugs and alcohol. Right. Um, so that was, uh, some people enjoy early recovery right off the bat or like, wow, (laughs) this is amazing. Yeah, I see people all the time that's smiling, enjoying it, like, oh, yeah. sobriety is great. <laughs> people are weird, man. <laughs> Weirdos. Yeah. What are you guys the smiling about? Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a purgatory experience for me those first several months. But yeah, kind of like, you know, some of what we've talked about really speaks to some of our social norms, you know, like growing up as a young teenager um, into a young man and like, societal norms sort of put us in this place where it's acceptable to drink to oblivion right except for there's like this really fuzzy line that some of us cross at some point but if we spend like most of our adolescence and early you know adult lives like learning that how we have fun is everything we do is sort of saturated in alcohol and other substances right yeah like you know i was like i said i was 26 when i found recovery but being 19 and being like, this is how, you know, all of your developmental years, you learned how to have fun with substances. So, yeah. How did you kind of navigate into that? Because I think that is an important piece of a young man's life is being able to have a social life and being able to have fun. Young man or young, you know, any young person. It's like, we've got to enjoy life. So, yeah. How did you navigate into that? Yeah, I mean, it, again, it was a it was a process, not an overnight thing for me. Um, and eventually, I, I was at rehab. I'll just just tell you a story. The first experience I had, uh, as far as a glimpse of having fun in sobriety. So, I'm sitting in the rehab, and there's going to be a meeting where people come from outside. Uh, the first time where people from outside the rehab come in. And tell their stories and explain, you know, what had happened to them and, and what well, was and like and everything. So well, I'm sitting I, yeah. there and I hear some music. There's this car in the parking lot, like bumping some too short or something like that. There you go. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I was like, what, what is this? So I walk out there and there's these kids and they're <laughs> bumping music in the middle of the parking lot with their car and you know, like super loud, like bass. And, and I was stoked. I was like, huh, weird. At the same time, scared. Cause I don't know how to interact with, you know, these guys like right. in sobriety. It's like weird for me, you know, it's like alien and <laughs> they're uh, humans and you're an alien. But anyways, <laughs> the thing that you'll find is like, man, people in recovery and sobriety are just so genuine, so accepting, loving, uh, you know, it's just an absolutely whole new way of life. So these guys, you know, I didn't have to go up to them and try to act like I was really cool to get them to hang out with me. I just walked up and was like, Hey, how's it going? And they just basically just like grabbed me and I was just chilling there with them talking about stuff. And, uh, you know, those guys, uh, I became friends with all of those guys that were there and, um, you know, like once, as soon as I got out of that rehab facility, those guys were taking me to sober parties and sober dances. Um, we would just go and hang out all over the place doing different types of stuff um, in sobriety. And it was, it was really just other young people, you know, uh, in recovery that, that showed me that it was, they had to prove to me that it was possible to enjoy life and have fun in sobriety. Um, it was not something that I was just able to say, like, I'm going to do this and have fun, have a good time. Like it took, it took people like grabbing a hold of me and saying, no, you're coming, you know, to this with us and you're going to have a good time. We're going to show you how to do it. So, you know, you said something, how's my audio guys. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. Okay. 
I don't want to get you off basis, Rob. You're really flowing well, my friend. I just want to side note, I think you said something so important. And uh, for those listening, whether you have 20 years or whether you have a week, um, or maybe uh, you found this podcast and you're in a program right now, inpatient, outpatient, you said something so detrimental about what these youngsters with the with the, the two short uh, album playing in the, in the, in the parking lot. Um, it is statistically... Um, they've done data on it, uh, either coming from the pen, from county jail, inpatient programs. Those, once you leave a program, and one of the first actions you do is find connection, whether it's uh, a meeting, whether it's AA, NA, choice, whatever it may be, uh, you are so much more likely to be successful if the first action you take is get connected in the community. And I think people know that. And those people, those youngsters did that for you. They forced you into a position to connect immediately. Uh, and not have any downtime. And so I think it's really important if you're coming out of a, a rehabilitation to uh, first thing you do is reach out for help in the community and lay on your feet there. And so I just wanted to kind of sidebar that. I think that has a lot to do with your success um, because people did reach out to you because you did agree to go in the community right from the gate. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, to me, it's people that make recovery possible. You know, right. like the, the social aspect of this um, for me was the uh, gave me the ambition, the motivation, you know, and ability to make this possible. Mm. Um, so everything involved with recovery for me, you know, has been shown to me, um, you know, through other people. So um, absolutely like coming out of a program or rehab or anything like that. Um, getting connected to whatever type of meeting organization or individuals yeah. was absolutely key. And that's what I've seen in this journey of recovery so far is uh, immersing yourself in, in the scene in yes. whatever different ways you can mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, you know, steps towards success for sure. Yes. Right. And one of the things I admire about you too, Rob, like, um, and maybe this was a, your experience, uh, with the too short crew, <laughs> um, but like having other Good wholesome music right there. Yeah. You know? They're like the I got five. No, that's Luna's. Never mind. Okay, uh... that's <laughs> um, But no, like having other people, young people, making it look attractive, like recovery, because there is this sort of stigma. You know, I remember when I was starting recovery, I would not go to a meeting because I wasn't one of those people. Um, I had this kind of like cookie cutter church people type of vision of what the group and meetings look like. And I was like, I don't want to go do that. Um, eventually my therapist convinced me to do it. Um, and I remember finally, I actually, I snuck into a meeting in Bayfield cause I was like, nobody will know me there. Uh, <laughs> which was a bunch of like good old boys, but like some old timers and they were great. Uh, but I remember shortly after that, I went to the, um, to a young person's meeting in Durango and everybody was just like joking and having a good time and, um, like really affirming that like, oh, like these people my age or close to my age look and are acting genuinely happy. And that's something I admire about you is because like you sort of just, I don't know, you radiate joy whenever I see you you're always having a good time and you always want to be like real inclusive and get people like brought in so you know when somebody comes into a meeting that you're at or just has some sort of interaction with you with that like recovery lens um I think that you're like you're kind of a role model in in our community with the recovery community um because it is yeah again especially with younger people whether that's like you know I say young and I'm like 18 to 30 and beyond young, young <laughs> 18, at heart young, 18 to 35 don't like, age me don't age me <laughs> well some of us you know at at our young people in recovery all recovery meeting most of us are like kind of 30 uh, and I remember having an 18 year old come into the meeting and being like I thought this was a young person's meeting and all of us were like ouch <laughs> but I'm like hey arrested development you know some of us kind of stopped aging at 12 years old when we started using. And so now we're kind of like 
we're teenagers. We're I always tell the kids I got uh, I got Peter Pan syndrome. I'm I'm young in here, man. You know. Man, you gotta come to Durango. It is like Peter Panville here. I, I will. There's so many I'll reasons that are Durango. calling you here, Jesse. Right after Recovery Month, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll uh we'll mob Durango and uh yeah we'll right. make it happen. Um, so back back to Rob real quick. Um, do you mind if I pivot, Candice, real quick? Is that okay? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you were you just left the the rehabilitation center. You're hanging out with these guys, and then you're kind of talking about um, how you immersed yourself. Um, I'm not sure if you can remember what you were saying. Uh, we had a big side note, but uh, kind of pick up there and um, kind of segue into what you're you know how you got to where you are now. How Candice was kind of uh, telling us what you do. Yeah, I ended up staying. Um, I ended up staying there in Southern California for three more months. I uh, went to like a recovery home, which transitioning for me was perfect to go from like an inpatient facility, you know, to some sort of step before I went back to just regular life with all my friends and family. At least for me, it was, uh, I thought it was the perfect stepping stone to where I needed to get to. Um, so I went into a recovery home with like 30 other guys living in one house and, uh, was just surrounded with, you know, people that were sober and recovery. It was a great experience for me. And uh, just to, just to let you know, Candace, the, um, I ended up seeing my brother there. Uh, you would ask before I ended up seeing my brother there um, after oh, wow. I've been sober now for three months. And, um, and we had a heart to heart face to face. First know, time like, since first the last time, time that you don't uh, even remember you were, blacked right. out when the last time you saw him. <laughs> so when I was, when I was there, he came and visited me, um, you mm. know, saw, uh, saw him for the first time and sat there, cried and, and, oh. uh, you know, like basically made amends, apologized. Mm. But to be honest, my brother was not too interested in just an apology. Mm. You know, like he was like, that was serious and not okay. That can never happen again. And it was, uh, at that point, something, one more thing reassuring me was like, you know, like this is something, this is a whole different, uh, life that I am pursuing now, you know? So it was, a something that was going to take years to try to fix whether or not I can actually fully write that wrong. I don't know, but, um, you know, I've done everything I can to, to work hard at staying sober. So I don't ever repeat that type of behavior. So right. My brother and I have an, an incredible relationship today. Again, you know, like very quickly after that, we started hanging out again and uh, became best friends again. So, mm. um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, awesome, man. That was a very important thing for me, you know. And since then, I've been repairing tons of relationships with family, friends, uh, and whatnot. So, um, but as far as this, uh, this journey, you know, I got, uh, got out of that, um, facility, that recovery home. I was, um, I was told not to make any big changes the first year of sobriety, which is probably, you know, like, yeah, it's probably a good idea, but there's no absolutes. I don't think like in recovery, you know, like no one knows, no one absolutely knows what's best for me. That's something that I got to figure out for myself with all the information, support feedback that I get from everybody that's involved in my recovery. So I was advised not to go back to college. And uh, I was told I was going to relapse. And I ended up making the decision. I was looking at staying in Southern California for another year or whatever. But I ended up making the decision to go back to CU Boulder, pick up mm. where, you know, where I left off and go through college sober. And, wow. uh, so I ended up going back to CU Boulder and, uh, ended up getting just, uh, immediately involved with young people that were sober, um, you know, up in that area. And, uh, it, it was, it was at first kind of weird, you know, going to, uh, you know, events and stuff like that, where people were drinking. Um, but once I got, uh, I, I eventually, um, was able to get to a point where I was comfortable being around my old friends that were drinking, partying, even doing drugs. Um, 
So during college, I was hanging out at sober events. I was also hanging out at like regular humongous college parties. I was doing some of both and I was able to uh, keep some of my friends actually after a while, maybe after like six months or so, I was able to um, get you know, back to hanging out with some of my old friends that were actually true friends. And what I found was there was some people that were just party buddies. And then there was some people that were really true friends. And uh, so some people say, oh, I had to get rid of all my old friends, totally new life. And maybe that's a good idea for a little while. I don't know what's right for anyone else. But for me personally, I had to take some time to to get, you know, my life together. But then there was definitely some people in my life that I did party with that, uh, you know, I ended up being able to keep that relationship and, and, uh, this turned out great. So, um, yeah, so I, I experienced two years, you know, totally just hammered <laughs> at CU Boulder, then two years completely sober. Oh, wow. Really different experience. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, so it was just um, college was uh, it was a learning process though it was not uh, right off the bat a really easy thing to do uh, being around people drinking or partying um, the the coolest thing is when you're when you're with a group of people that are sober that go to an event like that that's probably well absolutely my preference because um, it. Uh, it's a little comforting and just a really unique experience. And uh, along the way, you have pretty fun experiences when people realize that you're at this crazy party, festival, whatever, and and you're sober, completely yeah. sober and partying till God knows what, four, six, eight in the morning. I'm going to be honest. Just as I, hard as they are. I went to a recovery event uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we had a giant river float. Let me tell you something, man. All those people, there was about 90 of us. And it was lit. I think it was more it was more rowdy than I've ever experienced at a, a, a party of intoxication on the river, if you will. It was it was nutty. It was fun. People probably thought we were uh, partaking, but we were not. We were uh, we were getting nutty. We were jumping off of cliffs, having water fights, and so uh, anyway. So I totally I totally understand. Oh wow! And you actually got to fully experience that too, instead of having people tell you about it later. Which is key. Um, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so much better when you actually remember instead of being told. Uh, but yeah, so talking about um, having fun with people in recovery, uh, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. So uh, I really enjoyed your story, Rob. You've got a great story. I've known you for a little while, but uh, this is the first time that I've really kind of got to like, pick your brain about how it all manifested and unfolded, but uh, you've become an entrepreneur in our community. Um, I'm really excited. I want to talk a little bit about this venture that you started a couple of years ago that just seems to be blowing up. Uh, So you've got an RV resort, but it's so much more than it's called Tico time. First off, Tico time. I know where the name comes from, but for our audience, can we just talk a little bit about Tico time and how, how you found that name? Yeah. Well, I mean, my wife and I, we absolutely love Costa Rica. Great, great vibes down there. It's all about family, fun, food, music, living a simple, healthy life. That's just, you know, um, the, the basics of life. Vida, for sure. So, um, we try to bring that back to this RV resort that we built. Um, and located here in the Four Corners um, in northern New Mexico, right on the state line of, of Colorado. And so uh, funny, sorry to like hop in, but you know, before Colorado changed the laws, like that particular area has a lot of memories because we used to have to cross the border to go get alcohol on Sundays. And I think it's yeah. just like what, like a quarter mile down the road is the first closest right, almost across the street from that <laughs> gas station that we used to go to yeah. like, worlds collide <laughs> so i'm sorry so, just side note but i think that's kind of humorous but yeah it's a um it's an amazing place we 
you know, just built a concert venue of 10 music festivals this year. Um, concerts every weekend, zipline, adventure tours, rafting and tubing tours and paddle boarding and water slide jumps. And so sick. You know, amazing stuff for everyone. Um, but beyond that is, you know, it, for us, it's become a vehicle to, uh, to try to show people that it's possible to have fun in sobriety, you know? So, um, we just had an event there, um, a young people's, uh, sober event there and, uh, had an amazing time. There was bands, speakers, um, fireworks, fire spinner shows, DJs, and, um, everybody had an absolute blast. And, um, you know, so I, I'm just absolutely committed to, to proving to people that are new in sobriety that, that it is possible to have fun and have a good life, you know, sober. And, uh, you know, I once was at a, uh, like a convention, a young people sober conference, uh, down in Mexico and there was thousands of kids and we got so rowdy, they had to call the federales on us (laughs) and we had a fireworks show and like just, um, so people are absolutely blown away when they see, you know, what a bunch of people, um, that are sober can do with like a, with an event, with a sober event. So right. it, there's no way of explaining it to people unless they experience it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we have, um, so yeah, we're trying to do that every year, throwing campouts and, um, you know, music events and, um, conferences, um, you know, kind of oriented more towards young people that are in recovery, but open to, to anyone. Um, and we are throwing a, a sober music festival, our first sober music festival this year. It's wow. called Tico Time Sober Fest. So we are really stoked yeah. about that. Um, Tico Time. So for those in Colorado area or surrounding areas, you guys touch a few states. I think you touch, uh, we're in the four corners, so. Idaho. Yeah. So if you're in the surrounding area, go ahead and spell that out. Any information you want to pitch Robert, go, how do you spell that? How do you spell Tico time? Just is it T I C O? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. T I C O. Perfect. Time and river resort. And you guys have like a, a, any social media platforms as well? Yeah. I mean, we're on Facebook, Instagram. It's and that website's Tico time, uh, resort.com. Perfect. So, yeah, and we'll yeah, add that in the show notes too, so anybody uh, can just read and plug in, plug and play yeah. from the cool. podcast show notes. But um, yeah, I'm really, I'm so thrilled about Soberfest. Uh, it's actually a week after my birthday, so I'm just gonna have a week long sober <laughs> birthday. It's all um, for you, Candice. It's all for you. The whole thing. I know. <laughs> for your birthday well, next year, you know, the nineteenth. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> no, but I really, I love how the way that you're bringing this event together, you're really bringing, uh, like endorsing the many paths of recovery. So it's not kind of just siloed into one program right. or another. It's, uh, you know, here at YPR, we're so about that. Like right. recovery looks different for so many people and there's so many wonderful, great programs. And the thing I like about like meshing everybody together is especially when we get those folks in early recovery that they're like, I don't know if that's the way for me. And then being able to kind of meet people and learn about other ways that they can do it. um, It's just, it's a really great way to network with people and, and expose people to everything that's available. So I'm super excited and I'm really grateful because uh, Sarah, one of our Durango leadership members, uh, she's kind of spearheading, but I believe uh, we are going to be producing a karaoke show for <laughs> for the event, uh, maybe that Saturday night of the weekend. Awesome. So that's going to be super fun. Um, yeah, I'm I'm thrilled, and I look forward to more more of this. Um, do you? As I don't know, is there anything like uh, you're really excited about for the event? I mean, absolutely. The entire thing, you know, this is something I'm super passionate about. Um, You know, music festivals are very difficult to put on, um, especially a sober one. We're like really putting ourselves out there to get this going. Right. um, You know, we basically are shutting down the entire resort. It's a 94 acre facility 
to have a sober event for four days. So um, wow, this is something that might take years to get uh, really going, um, but we definitely have a lot of different groups and tons of individuals um, that are really stoked and excited for the event. But uh, I mean, we have um, a nice big concert stage. We have um, a couple, a uh, few regional headliners. Um, and I think somewhere around uh, 12 or 15 bands. Uh, we're going to have some EDM, uh, late night EDM uh, stage um, speakers, um, different games and competitions. Um, but the cool thing about this is that there's there's different groups from around this area and other states that are coming uh, to participate. Um, and so this event not only is for people that are in recovery, but we basically opened this up to anyone that wants to be there uh, on site that entire weekend. The only basically rule is there's no drugs or alcohol allowed on site. Right. So we're actually getting a lot of interest from people that are curious about mm. uh, some people are, are not even maybe, you know, addicts or alcoholics. They're just interested in maybe there's a better way of living. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should try to party without, you know, right. just uh, peeking your head in the door. What's, what is this about? Right. And yeah. I like to say it's the next level of partying, you know, like it's, <laughs> uh, it is, you know, like I've, I can party people under the table sober all the time. <laughs> like it's <laughs> for sure. Uh, people all the time are saying, well, how are you doing this? Like there's, you know, people that just can't hang and we're still there sober, you know, uh, partying. So um, really excited for it. It's going to be absolutely incredible vibes. Um, it's good for individuals, families. Um, you know, it's going to be unity, peace, love. You know what I mean? Like uh, showing people that this is a true and uh, serene way to live, you know. I think it's really great too. And, and real quick, you know, Candace brought home a great point too, Rob is like, um, you know, a lot of people traditionally um, there may be a stigma when it comes to certain types of programs and they don't feel comfortable because maybe they do a uh, harm reduction or maybe they have other forms of medication, which is totally okay. Right. And maybe they're like, man, I, I don't feel accepted in here. When you provide places like that, it allows all forms of recovery and they can come connect. So I think you're just doing an awesome thing. Um, I, I think we, we need to respect everyone's flavor of recovery and you've done that. You've, you've made an atmosphere where everyone's included. It's inclusive, uh, no matter what form of recovery it is. And that's what we do here at YPR. I just couldn't be more, uh, more happy to see what you're doing over there, man. And just remember Candace, he's from California and a California guy started all this out there. So I'm from California too, bro. That's right. You are. You are. San Clemente. I'm like right by San Diego. So I totally get the Chargers Broncos thing. (laughs) I'm like, whatever team is doing better. I don't really follow football, but you know, occasionally I'm like, but yeah, we, uh, we do the same thing at YPR. I'll just pull up our one pager. We have a YPR pro social one pager. It just says this pro social events are designated as spaces that showcase we can and do have fun in recovery. I think that sums up what you do, Robert. I mean, we can and do. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we do pro-social events all the time. A little YPR plug real quick. Um, check out uh, Young People in Recovery on Facebook. Click on the uh, button that says groups and find a chapter near you. Find an, we do online events. You know, for here in Sacramento, we do a bi-weekly uh, trivia night. We do trivia. We give out Amazon gift cards for winners. And then we break off and do a, a, a meeting. And then we go back and do our games again and do bingo or something. But we do that all the time. We're going to be having a giant cornhole tournament here uh, at the river in a couple of weeks. And so just things like that. That's a, that's a recovery event. But I believe the social aspect is just so important. I think the stigma of recovery is if you ask somebody who's not an ally of recovery or who's not in the recovery uh, bubble, uh, you know, oh, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm in recovery. They automatically assume, oh, you go to those rooms, right? Oh, you must go to those rooms mm-hmm. where people sit in a circle. And I think we want to get rid of that stigma where it's like, no, man, recovery is a continuum. It's not just meeting in this room and sitting in a circle. It's pro-social. It's community work. It's giving back. It's, it's one-on-one. It's group activities. There's so much more than just those rooms. And I think you've just opened that barrier. And I'm just 
an honor, man. I'm just, you shot that today, Robert, and uh, your story is amazing. And it's possible for any young person listening, uh, 19, uh, 19 years old, um, you changed your life for the better and, 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 and people are benefiting from that. And so if you're young, it's okay. Uh, you can have fun. I know if people get scared, I know for me, um, you know, I'm a, I'm an IV user and a, and a, a drinker, um, in my substance use. And, uh, you know, for me, I was scared to quit drinking. And once I finally took that step, you know, it was a, it was a beautiful thing. So, but thank you so much, Rob. Uh, Kenneth, do anything you want to add or. Um, I mean, I just definitely want to like highlight. So this is a national podcast. Uh, Rob is in the four corners area, um, with Tico time, but, uh, if you are interested in Soberfest, yes. go to the website. Uh, tickets are available. Um, what is it? Can you just talk about the cost real quick? Is it like, uh, yeah, I don't even want to go. Will you just tell us? Uh, oh, I, um, the, the event too is September 23rd to 26th. And um, I think it's really reasonable, like $70 per person for four days. Including- wow. Oh, that's incredible. Um, yeah, the only other charge is if you want an RV site, it's uh, I think $150 total for the weekend. And that mm. site can be divided among, you know, 10, 20 people even. So it's Nothing. super reasonable and affordable for a four-day festival. I uh, hope to see a lot of people there and try to get some momentum with this. And, you know, so, yeah. so more and more people with possible have fun in sobriety. I think that's a, that's a steal of a deal. Um, and I'm going to be getting my tickets. We're going to just book a bunch of spots for YPR, uh, and get people set up so they can head out there. I'm really excited. Going to bring some karaoke. Uh, I love to sing and dance and play and have fun. And I'm just so <laughs> grateful for you for like, just, yeah, really going. That's worth the money right there. You know, the money's <laughs> worth seeing Candace sing and dance you're gonna get your money's worth right there yeah, just wait i don't know if you guys knew this i am starting a flash mob hey of sober dancers you'll start to see us we're gonna be tiktok famous hey. actually we might debut before this episode airs so we might already be tiktok famous by the time this we episode airs <laughs> um, we could do one at that at that event that would be pretty awesome yeah i was actually gonna maybe mention that to you and i was gonna ask if you and your wife want to come learn the routine and be part of the flash mob it might be a fun day thing i think we'd love to do that uh i'll send you some info so yeah rob seriously thank you so much for just like being a staple in the recovery community like showing people that we can and do have fun almost more fun than (laughs) than before uh well i don't want to say almost like Fully. Almost for sure, yeah. way fully, more. fully, oh, no. <laughs> and we we remember it ourselves. We don't have to patch the stories back together. So, um, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this. Especially, I know you had that other radio interview this morning, so you've just been kind of like on air all day. So, thank, thank you. you. Um, yeah, thank you so much for that and sharing your story. Uh, it's incredible, and I think our listeners are just going to love you. Uh, so. Um, with that, I do have one final question. I don't know if you're prepared to answer it, uh, but I would love to just know kind of in a nutshell, what does recovery mean to you? I mean, in a nutshell, I'd have to say recovery means everything to me. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it's absolutely saved my life and given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. Come on. I mean, I used to think the things that I used to think were important and were my goals and dreams and aspirations before I got sober, they aren't even anywhere near on the list Mm. as far as my dreams and aspirations and what I feel is important today. You know, like, um, so recovery has completely given me a completely new way of living um, and bringing me closer and closer to what is really important in life, which is connections with people, living a simple life, and, uh, you know, trying to be of service to those around me. You know, like the more and more that I try to seek to be helpful to the people that are, you know, in my life, um, the better and better my life is. And before I was self-serving, and now I try to live like a selfless life in sobriety. So that's the number one thing for me in recovery 
is that it's taught me that life is more about trying to help other people as mm. opposed to trying to help myself. It's not an easy task to do, by the way. Um, it's a process and learning thing, but I would say that's the number one thing for me in recovery. Mm. Yeah, love it. I mean, yeah, what is a life without connections and the people that matter to us? So great answer. Thank you. Uh, so with that said, um, we definitely want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in yes. uh, to hear Rob's story and us talk about how to have a good time in recovery. Remember, if you have any ideas on topics that you would like us to discuss on the show, you can email us at recoverycorner at youngpeopleinrecovery.org. Uh, once again, we are your host today. I'm Candace Rose. And I am Jesse Hayner. New episodes are available to stream every other Wednesday at 5 a.m. Eastern time. Tune in next time on September 22nd. So you can meet Wes Hurt, who is the founder of Clean Cause, the Yerba Mate energy drinks, where when you purchase them, 50% of the proceeds go directly to supporting individuals in recovery from substance use disorder really excited to have him on the show uh hear his story of long-term recovery and talk about why he does what he does to support people looking to improve their lives so uh be on the lookout for that as always here at ypr we do recover and we are in the corner thanks for listening